2: Infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1 877 578 3527. See our ad in Food and Wine Magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. What a fun show we have today. And I'll just say this I get to interview a lot of people for my job. In fact, that's what I do mostly for my job. And I love it so very, very much. I have met some amazing people. And I will say there are some people that I interview that I just think, man, I think that if myself and Aaron and this person and their spouse got together, we would hang out. That's how I feel about this author who's on the show today. His name is Justin Whitmill Early. And I've never met his wife, Lauren. I've only met Justin twice on the internet. Three an interview, um, and I just think that we would get along with them so well. Justin was on a while ago. He is on episode 461, and we talked about his book, Habits of the Household. And I tell him this today in the interview, but you guys, the Habits of the Household— had I had this book when I was a young mom, it would have changed my life. I'm just saying that. It's for any age group, but if you were a young mom, highly recommend you get that book. But that's not the book we're talking about today. But go listen to that episode. The book we're talking about today is called Made for People, Why We Drift Into Loneliness and How to Fight for a Life of Friendship. And I read this book before I interviewed Justin and just really appreciated the work he put in to helping us see as readers how important our friendships are. And Justin uses a term in this book called Covenant Friends. And I'll let him explain it in our interview. But it changes the way you think about friendships a lot. And so this book is for any of us. Like I tell him in the conversation that friendships in your 40s are way different than friendships in your 20s and 30s. And trying to figure that out matters. And we should figure it out. So you're gonna love the conversation today. And um, I read this book. I would highly recommend it. So check it out, Made for People, Why We Drift Into Loneliness and How to Fight for a Life of Friendship. Really, really, really good but that Justin released this past August. And then you guys at the end of the show we talk about music. I never talk about music because I'm not a music connoisseur. In fact, when I was on the Relevant podcast, that was one of my huge weaknesses that always came out was when they started talking about relevant music because I'm just not a relevant music per- person. I don't mean Relevant the podcast. I mean like up-to-date current music. It is just not my jam. Anyhow, I'm going to ACL this weekend. And so we chatted about music for a little bit. So I think you'll love that as well. You guys, thanks for being here. It is always an honor when you choose to listen to The Happy Hour. And I'm convinced that you're going to walk away from this show uh, desiring friendship at a deeper level. And that is a good, good, good thing. God is for that. And he is in that. So here's my conversation with Justin about Covenant Friends. Justin, welcome back to the happy hour.
0: Jamie, I am so excited to be here again. I loved doing this last time with you.
2: I was just remembering our last conversation and how much fun it was. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the covers of your books. You have great book covers, by the way, Justin.
0: They've done a great job. I'm really proud of the people who worked on my book covers. Yes.
2: I think book covers are a really big deal. And you have. So last time you were on, you talked about habits of the household, which I remember reading this book. You can see I still have my little bookmarks in here.
1: (laughs) And I thought to myself,
2: (laughs) this book is good for everybody. But, Justin, had this book come into my life when I had young kids, Mm. oh, my gosh, it would have changed my (laughs) life. So I just want to say that. And now you're here. You have a new book out we're talking about called Made for People. Uh, why we drift into loneliness and how to fight for a life of friendship. So congrats on this book. I told you I was going to rave about it when we started recording. I read it this weekend and I loved it. All right. Congrats.
0: That's so great. You're like one of the first. You're like one of the first 20 probably to read it, which is cool.
2: Are you serious?
0: I mean, it's that new. I mean, people are, you know, getting the the, the early copies and, you know. I was yeah. my editor and my wife and my close friends have read it, but you're like on the short list here. So that's cool.
2: <laughs> I feel very honored. By the time this show comes out, it will have been out for a couple of um, weeks. And so I hope everyone has got a chance to get it. But let's dive in. Okay. You wrote a book. The last one that I know about was Habits of the Household, which practicing the story of God in everyday family rhythms. So good. Made for people. Why? Where did this come from in your life? I mean, I can guess, but where did this yeah. come from? We just went through a global <laughs> pandemic. So maybe that has something to do with it.
0: <laughs> well, here's how I put it. It came from Blessing and Crisis. Um, mm. Both of my last two books actually came out of crisis. So I was like two for two. Like the common okay. rule came out of my crisis of my own anxiety collapse and realizing that I needed better habits to form me spiritually. Habits of the household came out of a smaller but still real crisis of realizing I needed to apply this habit stuff on spiritual formation to my family. Mm-hmm. Um, made for People is different. I have, by the God's grace, since I can remember um, in high school, been like blessed with a series of friends who have walked through life with me. And I would at any point look at my walk with God and say, I would not be the way that I am, following Jesus the way that I am without close friends Mm. by my side. Mm. And in that sense, I feel like there's just this great joy and blessing I wanted to share with the world. But on the other side, I'm looking out at a world In crisis, and this was the decision to write this book. I'm hearing more and more, as probably everybody is, if you're paying attention, over the past five ish years about our epidemic of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got like, I keep it on my table. Like, this is the Surgeon General's report on how loneliness affects our health to the tune of, you know, smoking and obesity, like a major health crisis. But, Jamie, like, when I look at my community's life, people in my church, people I went to college with, people who work beside me, I'm seeing everywhere that the difference between people who just sort of fall off and, you know, you know, I I say fall away from faith or like Mm -hmm. really struggle with mental illness or, or really, you know, wrestle in their marriages or disrupt a relationship with kids. Like life is hard for everyone, but the difference between those of us who persevere anyway and continue to walk with the Lord and the difference between those who don't, I often see is just, do you have close friends walking through that Uh hard thing with you? Wow. And that's the th- that's called friendship. It's not magic, but it need that term friendship needs to be re-enchanted because I think we've lost how significant this relationship is spiritually, physically, mentally.
2: It's so good. Friendship. I want to dive into something you call covenant friends, but I want to just say Mm. this first, Um, Justin, I am in a different, a little bit different life stage than you as in my kids Mm -hmm. are a little bit older. And so I have said often that one of the things that has been hardest for me to sustain at my age that I'm at now, I'm 45, my oldest child is 19. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're in the high school college years and I work full time. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing for me to sustain is been friendship. Mm. And I would say that I'm also a person. And I think that you would say, you talk about this as a book. It's not a bad thing. I'm a person who needs like a few very, very close friends. And I have those close friends.
1: Like mm-hmm. just yeah. last yeah.
2: week, I went to the pool with two of my friends and we caught up and it's like, we hadn't even been apart. You know, I would call them covenant friends, what we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah. Um, But it's just interesting. You don't think about this in your 20s, about what friendship looks like in your 40s. And I just think Mm. it's harder than we could have imagined. Okay, I want to talk to you about more than just friendship, though. I want to talk to you about covenant friendship, which is what you talk about in your entire book. And I want you to define it for us. I'm going to read something from here. Um, And I don't want to take away your definition, but I want you to expand on it. You say in the chapter on forgiveness, this is in your book, page 112, you say, if you want to pursue happiness, then stick with companions people mm. who like the same things you do and make sure to leave them when everything start to turn toward real friendship. But if you want to pursue holiness and find covenant friends and stick around long enough to get hurt, forgive and get hurt and forgive again. In the pursuit of happiness, you'll find neither happiness nor holiness. In this pursuit of holiness, you'll find both. That kind of pierced me into my little insides and in that <laughs> little thing just in there. But this whole journey that you take us through on this book, you talk about covenant friendship. And I want you to define that for us. What does that actually mean? Because that's a term that was new for me. The words I've heard separately, obviously. uh, But putting them together was a new thing for me. So tell us about that.
0: I'm so glad you're diving into this. Um, I wanted to call the book Covenant Friendship. (laughs) The publisher would not let me. Um, And I think they were right. I think Made for People has a better wide appeal. But I'm trying to get people- agree with them. Yeah, even though to,
2: I love this term, go yeah, for it.
0: Yeah. but So I'm trying to get people's attention, saying you're made for people, and then focus you in on a re-enlivening of the meaning of friendship. And the way that I do that is by using the term covenant friendship. And what I mean mm. is this, I define a covenant friend as somebody who knows you fully and sticks around and loves you anyway. So it's these two parts of vulnerability and commitment. And we could get into these in more detail if you want. But I'm getting that because I'm looking at the way that Jesus talked about salvation and his act of sacrifice to us that made us friends in John 15. And and thinking about the gospel through the lens of friendship and saying, Jesus is somebody who knows us thoroughly and yet sticks around and commits anyway. So he knows Mm -hmm. all our sin. He knows all our brokenness. And yet his love is there and he's not leaving. And so you can have a lot of relationships. And there's a reason this book is not about community or networks or mm-hmm. relationships more broadly. Because not every friendship, or I'm sorry, not every relationship will be that deep and that vulnerable and that committed. And this is not marriage, this doesn't have to be for life, but the kinds of friends that are really knowing you fully and loving you anyway, the way Jesus does, I would call those covenant friendships. You can't do a lot. You can only do a few, but you need a couple. Um, Mm. So, you know, as you're talking about, you know, life changes. I only have a few friends now. I'm like, like, great. You know, I think one of the most amazing things about this kind of relationship is you don't need a lot and you actually don't need a lot of time with Mm -hmm. them. I mean, you need essential things in life like sleep and work and eating. You have to do all the time every day. (laughs) Well, friendship, which is also essential for your spirituality and your physicality, you really like one hour a week of real vulnerable conversation where you just talk about who you are, who your friends are and how you're gonna stick with each other anyway, one hour a week will change everything about your life. And and I want people to see that, you know, you you need that. You can't just exist amongst people because the easiest thing to do is to be lonely in a crowd. So you need real relationships and I call them covenant friendships.
2: I love it so much and you know, I have um some relationships that are like that for me and Justin. When you were talking about how Jesus like loves us and doesn't leave us, I got a little, kind of, a, almost a little emotional about that. Just to think <laughs> about that reminder—that's like a foundational fact of you know being a follower of Jesus and Scripture and the Gospel—and mm-hmm. it just hit me in a way this morning. So that's so true. You know, you talk about vulnerability, and that's one of your chapters in here. In fact, I want to read what the the cha- the contents of this book are because I think this is going to speak to a lot of people, and we won't get into more than like two of these, vulnerability, honesty, covenant, forgiveness, invitation, geography, time, communication, memory, and worship. And I want to go to the vulnerability part.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You talk about the difference between sharing and vulnerability. And you say sharing is what we do to update people on our lives, but vulnerability is what we do to let people into our lives.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And that distinction in friendship, covenant friendship, I should say, yeah. is massive. Massive. Can you talk about why it's important to have people that see that true vulnerability that we let into our lives and not just share about our lives like yeah. oh my kid's going to college right. and you know story starting to drive and school starting that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So this this I think fits into the biblical story of friendship, which yes, that's a thing. You can read the Bible and I try to share this in the introduction as a story of friendship. And one of the first things that you see is that We were made for other people. So Adam is told in the garden, it's not good that you're alone, even though God is standing right there. And then God gives Mm -hmm. him Eve. And this is just a massive theological signal that you can be alone with God, and that's not enough to experience God the way you were made to.
2: Okay, stop right there. (laughs) Because when I read that this weekend, I literally closed the book and thought to myself, If you would have been with me, I would have said, "Justin, say it again, because I don't understand." You literally said you just now, and in the book, being alone with God is not enough for us.
0: It it sounded blasphemous when I first wrote it, and um,
2: I thought that when I first read it, Justin. So (laughs) I actually
0: I checked this out with a lot of people that I trusted. Um. And and then I, and then actually, honestly, I went back and I was re- revising, rereading some of uh, Tim Keller's work on friendship, which long ago inspired me to think more deeply. And you know, he he uses these same categories. And I started to look at every, and I was like, oh, this is this is uh, not new to me, but I do think it's a little bit undiscovered in our modern moment, or not talked about enough. But it is theologically accurate to say that we can be lonely with God because, you know, God mm. literally says it in, in Genesis. And so and there's a lot about this to, to marriage. There's a lot to community, but, but it is suffice it to say, I think we are theologically on target when we say we can't experience God the way we're made to experience him until we experience him alongside others. It's just the mm. constant theme of the Bible that, yes, God does relate to us absolutely personally. He will come to you in your loneliness, in your solitude but he also won't leave you there. And and usually the colloquial way of putting it is to to grow alone spiritually is to grow weird spiritually. We need community to grow in, right? Um, But so this whole question started with vulnerability. So I'm gonna try to make make sure we stay on target too. Yeah, You know, you have this beautiful moment at the end of Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve are naked and unashamed, i.e. they're with God, they're with each other. Nothing is hidden. This is the way we were meant to be, fully known, fully loved. The next chapter, I mean, this paradise lasts for a couple sentences in Genesis before after the fall, we see the first two things that happen in the fall are fig leaves and bushes. We hide behind fig leaves from each other, and we hide behind bushes from God. So one accurate way of understanding our fallen state is to say, we are prone to hide, period. We, we, mm-hmm. Shame means that we want to cover up our true self, Okay. And so when we talk about what does vulnerability actually mean, it means the idea of taking the fig leaf and say, I was not made for this. I was made to live without these in front of somebody else and to actually be known. And, and I see this all the time in my life. I could tell you, Jamie, like, oh, you know, Lauren and I, a couple of years ago, went through a rough patch. I'd call it sharing. Anybody can hear that. I can post mm-hmm. that on social media. Nobody cares. Yep. But to say, you know, Lauren and I had this fight where things were thrown. Uh, you know, something was broken. We were worried about the kids waking up because we were shouting. That's like, ooh, that just got a little mm. specific, right? That's got, I got, got, I got a little <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable, it's Justin. Little uncomfortable. <laughs> I could say to you, you know, I went through an anxiety phase in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, or I could say to you, so for a long stretch of months as an early lawyer, when I was and still am a Christian. I couldn't go to sleep unless I took pills or drank something. And then, okay, that just got another, Like just got more real, right? And so I would call that first version that's sort of abstract sharing. That second version that's specific I, is vulnerability because it actually puts me at risk. Mm. Like, you know, that, oh, that's actually sin in his life. Um, the Latin root of the word vulnerability means to be capable of being wounded which is exactly what Jesus gave us. He made himself Mm. capable of being wounded. And when we do that, we emerge as real sinners without fig leaves. And that's what we need because we can't be fully known. We can't be fully loved until we're fully known. And so that's why vulnerability is this first part of actually making yourself at risk and known.
2: Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. We talked about this a little bit before we started recording, and I was just telling you that I had been doing some stuff on Instagram, and I was telling you I have this big love-hate relationship with Instagram, and, um, you know, I think that we live in a day and age where a lot of people feel like they have these friendships via the internet. Mm -hmm. And I have actually made friends that I've met on the internet, you know, um, but there's also i think there's this facade that people think that that would be or it could be this covenant friendship that you're describing. Yes. And one of the things that you say in your book, i i don't have it in front of me right now but you said like don't waste your vulnerability online. You said something like that. Can you talk yes. can we talk about that for a second?
0: Yeah, i think it's it's pretty simple and it's just that, but it is really really important right now. Um if I'm right in what I just said, and that vulnerability is like, you know, risk and making yourself mm-hmm. truly known. There's two real aspects to that. I mean, one's just the obvious that on social media, you you completely control what you're putting out there. So you you could choose to share intimate details and that and that's fine. But the response to that is what's really important. Like I could write a memoir tell all about myself and not talk to anybody about it. And that's not, the full idea of relational vulnerability, because nobody's talking back to me, right? Mm -hmm. And when we are actually in real-time interactions, um, and I talk about this in the book of actually the difference between technologically mediated interactions, which I would call snacks, and embodied interactions, which I would call the Mm -hmm. meals of relationships, i.e. don't live on snacks, live on meals. Mm -hmm. But when you have somebody on the other side of the room or the couch you know, reading their face, intera- like as mm-hmm. you say this stuff, they they feel you get nervous. They hear the tone in your verse voice. And by the way, you can't edit it. You can't mm-hmm. say it 20 times over and pick your favorite way of saying it. Yep, That's when you're at risk of being known for who you actually are in the moment. And so I'm, I'm all for honesty online. That's great. I just I don't want people to think like that was actually true vulnerability. They showed their followers you You need an embodied friend for vulnerability. We only have so much capacity to be you know put ourselves at risk. That's why you need yeah. a couple people, not a million. Uh-huh. So you know don't waste that energy online. You need a friend to hear your vulnerability um, and that's a big difference.
2: It's so good and I experience that all the time with social media. And I was telling you my love, hey, I love Instagram. Like I love the connection that it makes. I personally, and I've said this before, I see it as a marketing tool. Like right, I right. want people to listen to the happy hour. I want people to read my books. And mm-hmm. so how do I encourage people um, online? Because I I'm an encourager. It's like one of my gifts. I love to encourage people. I love to talk about Jesus. So all of these things kind of fit the pieces. But I often tell people is what I share on Instagram is what mm-hmm. I have decided to share and it's what I've thought about sharing and with your example right. about you and Lauren fighting I've been Aaron and I've been publicly about 2020 and 2021 were the worst years of our marriage they were terrible they were hmm. they were they were so terrible I can share that but what I haven't ever shared with publicly except for my covenant friends is is the moments in the bedroom of the fighting that like the details yeah, right. and the intimacy right. of it like that's not public like for people to consume, but yeah. that's conversations I have with my friends in real life, you know? And so there you're you so go. right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I actually, this is worth pushing into a little bit because we do want people to be real and honest. Right. And, and I think you can do that online as particularly as a public figure, you can't mm-hmm. tell about the real stuff that's happening in your life encourage people sure. on that. Um, but, but, We all know that it's the sign of relational unhealth, not health, that someone goes and tells just anyone everything about their life. Like that that's always like, Whoa, 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 red flag, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But how badly do we want our, you know, pastors, public figures, authors Mm -hmm. that we're following, reading or watching, how badly do we want them to be people who are known by a couple people, right? Like Mm -hmm. the the some of the worst moments of the past couple years of my life are watching people I once admired fall because of secrets that they had kept. Mm -hmm. And every time I've just been like, oh, that you would have had a friend who would Mm. have talked to you about that. Like, I don't care that you make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. But what you needed was a friend to walk with you through that. And apparently you felt either too famous or too big, or or it was Mm. too risky. And I'm like, I tell people all the time, like whether I'm talking in front of an audience of thousands or like a small church service, just whenever I talk about this stuff, I'm like, Look, I'm just thrilled to talk to you as a person without secrets. Mm. Like, and I'll say it right now like, you don't know my secrets, Jamie. <laughs> these mm-hmm. listeners yeah. don't. And they shouldn't. It wouldn't be healthy. But Matt does. Steve does. Mm-hmm. My wife, Lauren, does. There's a couple people who know it all. And I feel so much stronger going out to the world knowing that these couple covenant friends know me fully mm. and love me anyway. That means I don't need to get everybody else's approval. I can accept that these friends love me like Jesus, and that sends me out into the world in strength. So I'm not looking Gosh. for that approval anymore.
2: So good, and I think that this practice of covenant friendship is what will save people from those. Well, that's 100%. a ma- that's a big statement. I was going to say it would save them from a public downfall, but I think that it is an aspect of it's, it.
0: it. It's a huge guardrail. I mean, our capacity for sin is is endless. So you know, I'm not going to put out any idea like habits or friendship or any other th- liturgies of parenting that I write on, like I all, I think they're all good ideas, but nothing's going to save you except Jesus. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to say that covenant friendship is the way of it, like, incarnating the gospel into your actual regular life.
1: Mm-hmm. And, I,
0: and I will say that, you know, we're all going to make big mistakes. The difference between a huge public implosion where you lose everybody's trust in your job and struggling with something healthily and repenting and moving out of it is whether or not you have friends to walk through that with you. Mm. Um, And that's what we need. Like I want, if I have never thought about this before, but like one prayer for this book would be that it creates a new generation of leaders that have friends instead of secrets.
2: Mm. That would be incredible. It's it's so good. And I just want to make sure everyone knows that like, yes, Justin and I write books and stand on stages and talk to people. But like my friends that I'm doing this with most of them don't do what we do. Some of them do. I've been you know, grateful to be able to have people that do the same job mm-hmm. as me. Most of them don't do what I do. And I'm telling you with the couple of covenant friends, I mean, just recently, just recently, a friend texted me um, and I called her after this. Obviously, it wasn't just a text conversation, but she's like, I'm really feeling about making a bad choice that is something that she could say to mm-hmm. me and and she went on i'm not going to say what she was saying but she and we talked about it but that's something that she could say to me because she knows that i really do love her the way that jesus loves us i'm not jesus and i'm not perfect by any chance but yeah. no matter what she does or what anything i'm staying like i'm here for the long haul yes. and that's what you're talking about okay i want to talk about one more chapter real quick yes It's the honesty chapter. Justin, I could have talked about something from all of these chapters. I mean, really, guys, I'm telling you, this is a great book, and you guys um, need to pick it up. Okay, honesty, the chapter is The Art of Saying What You Mean and the Habits of Rebuke and Encouragement. And let me just tell you, the rebuke part, it makes me get squirmy because I don't like confrontation, Mm. and I think that what I don't like confrontation is different than rebuke. And I know that in my head, but sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels the same, if that makes sense. Um, But you talk about this a lot, and I'm going to read this real quick. Let me find it, find it, find it. You said, when practiced rightly, encouragement and rebuke have the twin power to push back the fallenness in our lives and build up the righteousness. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I read that and I thought, this is the gospel. This is what Jesus does for us as yes. well. So I want you to yeah. talk about this act of honesty and relationships that where you can have someone who encourages you and rebukes you because rebuke feels like a scary word to people. Rebuke feels like we just got called to the principal's office, but you don't, <laughs> yeah. you, you, that's not what you're talking about here. So talk to us about that.
0: Yeah. You, yeah. We need to see it as something that Jesus was really comfortable with, so we Mm -hmm. should be too, which by the way, all the chapters that you read, the book is based around what I call the arts and habits of friendship. And it's just one way of saying, what are the ways that Jesus acts towards us in relationship and how can we reflect them back towards friends? And rebuke and encouragement are on the list. If you watch how Jesus interacts with the people in his life in the gospel, he's really quick to be blunt and say, we got a problem here, like get behind me, Satan, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. which is probably on the far end of bluntness. Like it's probably <laughs> right. as far as you can go. I don't recommend saying that to your friends. Unless. Right. Um, but on the other end, he's constantly encouraging he's, and he's calling people forward. And so let's just take that example with Peter, actually, in mm-hmm. the same narrative, he he just totally renovates Peter's life. I mean, think of it like a house, like he tears down some of the bad stuff. He's not demolishing the house. But he's like knocking down this wall of like, get behind me, Satan, you don't understand what I have to do. And he's building them up and he's saying on this rock, I'm going to build my church. So there's this this idea that Jesus honesty towards us, is honest about the problems in our life and honest about the glories in our life, which is okay. just a wonderful and accurate way of talking about any human being like you're fallen. And if your friends don't have some critiques of you, I would not call them friends. But mm. if your friends can't see the hope of who you're becoming, those are also not friends. But the people who see both, those are good friends. That's I don't really want good. people to accept me as I am. I want people to call me forward into what I ought to be. I want people to mm. love me, but not necessarily the present version of me because I know that version has some problems. And that's mm. just any other version of um, relationship can't really hold that tension, right? Because like if you... If you don't have a North star named Jesus to, to point to, then you're just like, you're in the world of opinions. Like, I don't like the way you mm-hmm. talk, or I don't like the way you phrase that, or you, you blah, blah, blah. But when you can say, you need to become more like Christ, which means some things need to stop and something needs to need to come out, that's a whole new world. And that's one of the great gifts that good friends have to offer.
2: So good. You say in here, becoming more like Jesus necessarily means becoming more like a friend. And I found that to be so encouraging as to really how do we look to Jesus as our example of friendship. He's our ultimate example of everything. And so you did that so well. Justin, one of the things, um, I've only read two of your books, uh, but one of the things you do well in both of them is you, You. it's not a book full of practical ideas, but it has practical plus theology, plus hope and encouragement, all those things. You do that so very well. I can say as an author, you do that well. Let's talk about some practical ways to become a good friend because most of my listeners are women. And so I'm not saying you don't understand us, Justin, but I mean, we've got a (laughs) lot. You have as many things going on as we do. I mean, you're a lawyer, you have kids, you have a wife, you are a churchgoer, you live in community, all the things. And so we can't really say this is a, a male, female thing, but a lot of our listeners, women, a lot of them are moms. A, a lot of them are trying to juggle a lot of things. And I think I would love to say that most of us have this deep desire for this. This is not right, something right. We're, we're not, we don't have. That's right. Um, what are some practical ideas? And and you do it so well in your book about all the things that you do, but what are some practical tips you can give us for really making times for those friendships mm-hmm. in a world that we know is just fast paced? It is what Absolutely.
0: it is. Absolutely. And you put it really well, like, like not, None of us is like, oh, I don't want this, <laughs> you know, right. so it, which I always say, like, when we talk about this, it's common sense, but it's not common practice. And that is the major mm. difference, because I'd say all of us are sitting out here wishing we had deeper friendships. And yet all of us are drifting in the American American current of being busier, wealthier people who used to have friends. And a lot of that is like if you're in college, usually you're in a countercurrent where where life is structured, actually, to push you into community, not always, but lots of times as soon as you get out, it changes and it changes for the rest of your life. Like you're drifting down the American current of being people who used to have friends. And so I two practical ways that I'd suggest just to work on this is one, think about the saving power of a schedule. And I say, this is like an, an hour a week ish. Um, it doesn't have to, it's not a law. You know, it's not a rule. It's, it's a rhythm. Okay. And I think having the rhythm of saying there's one key gathering a week, this could be an accountability group, a small group a what for me and my two best friends, Steve and Matt, it's sitting on each other's front porch and having a drink. This is not complicated or formal, but it's a regular rhythm of saying, hey, once a week, once every other week, we're going to get together and just talk and real update each other. It is difficult to underestimate how much this will completely change your life in a way that is disproportionate to anything else you just do for an hour a week. Mm. Um, just telling the truth for an hour a week changes everything else you experience that week. It just it recasts so it in a different light of being known. And I would like to gently say to everybody, you have time for that. And I can say that because uh, I run my own business law firm. I I work on books on the side. I've got four young boys between you know six and you know four and eleven. Um, I've got you know Lauren and obligations. All these things. Um, all I need to do is open my phone and pick my favorite app, Instagram or others, and just look at my use stats and I'll be like, there, oh, there's, there's the hour. Okay. And that's not to shame Uh anybody. That's just to say, if your objection inside is I don't have time for that, that's not you talking. That's the enemy talking. You have time Mm. for friendship. Um, but you do need to work to make it a rhythm and you can do that. So that's my, first suggestion my my second suggestion is smaller we can go to it later yeah suffering from aches and pains the all new Tempur-Pedic adapt mattress eases your pressure points all night every night now save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets at temperpedic.com select adjustable mattress sets only lesser savings may apply
2: Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. I want to say something about this real quick is I know that I can, I know what I hear people feeling when you say that.
0: You tell me. I hear
2: people, I hear people saying, but I have kids. Like, how would I leave them? But I have a husband. How would I do that? But I have work? How would I do that? And
0: okay, okay. okay. I,
2: I hear that. and i and I feel that as well. like I, i'm I'm in this stage of life where I want to choose my kids because they're about to leave all the things. Mm. But I want to say this my husband Aaron, um is a better husband, dad, pastor leader, all the things. When he gets away to West Texas. Now, this is not the hour, but it's an example. When he gets away to West Texas for a couple of days, a couple of times a year. And I remember early in our marriage when he brought this up, I was like, oh, so you need to get away. Okay, well, we have four children. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and you need to get away? This doesn't add up, Aaron (laughs) Ivy. Like, that was my first thought was like, okay, well, me too. Yes. But then I've grown a lot of maturity, and I see the benefit To me, I see the benefit to him. I see the benefit to our marriage, to our kids, to his leadership, all the things. And so I just want to say that sometimes it takes a conversation. And I would imagine that you and Lauren have had to figure out this rhythm.
0: 100%.
2: You mentioned in your book that you want your kids to see you value friendship. And so I just want to tell you, I hear people going, but what about my spouse? What about my kids? What about my job? So tell me about that real quick. I just said how that's helped Uh, our marriage. This is really good, And that's a getaway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is that's really good. Uh, that's pushing me even more into the particulars, and they're there. For example, last night, I happily sent Lauren out of the house before kids' bedtimes, and I was like, "I'll that's do it." That's the key, you know, right I'll, there,
2: Justin. That's I'll the key. Before <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll clean up from dinner. I'll put all the boys to bed. Why? Because Lauren had a book club with two of her favorite people, and when she came back that night. I was like, how was it? What'd you talk about? She was like, actually, we were just caught up. And I was like, yes, because I know book club with these two friends signals intentional conversation where she will be refreshed and nourished in life. I am happy to put the kids to bed and my kids are, you know, kind of need to wrestle them, <laughs> smash them to bed, you know, <laughs> but because I, I know she's going to become back a happier woman, a happier wife. Mm-hmm. Everything is better when she gets that hour of friendship. And by the way, we were literally just texting this morning about like, oh, hey, I'm going to try to hang out with Drew and Barrett on Sunday night. That'll be fine, right? Because blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, we got to pack for a trip the next day. But yeah, I'll handle that. And I'm just saying our marriage at this point, and this is a, we've worked towards it, is to see friendship as like a quiet time. I'm not saying it's exactly mm. the same. But if sh- if right. your spouse came to you and is like, hey, could I get an hour? I just really need to spend some time in the Word. My guess is you'd be like, yeah, I can help you with that. Even if you're like, this is an Mm -hmm. inconvenient time, but you're like, I see what you're going for. Let me give you that. I just, Mm -hmm. I want to elevate friendship to say this, we're working spiritually here if we're doing it right. Now, I'm not just saying like, I'm going to go shoot pool and drink beer with the guys, unless Mm -hmm. that's the place where you also talk. If so, great. You know, Um, we give that to each other. And lastly, I love having my friends to my front porch to do this because my boys can see it and I want them to see that I read the Bible. I want them to see that I sing in church. I want them to see that I have friends and that I talk honestly Mm. with them. And that is important to me. It's a great gift to pass on.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. Okay. I, uh, I hijacked your first one. What was your second practical tip for doing friendship in a fast paced world?
0: Yeah, a second practical tip, and this might be already happening for most people, but I actually want to say lean into it unexpectedly, is um, your text chains or your email lists or your group chats. I actually think that I can talk a lot about how you know, technology is a snack. Don't live on it. Embodied relationships are the meal. We all know what happens when we just eat snacks. We feel full, but we remain unnourished, and we die. End of diatribe. However, (laughs) I do think there's a there's actually a really beautiful thing that can happen when you have a text chain with you know a couple friends, and you meaningfully ping around updates and funny memes and blah blah blah. But like when prayer, we have one couple of these where prayer requests and updates are intermixed, and we're in real time hearing oh so and so needs prayer today for this operation or that job loss or their mental illness they're struggling with. And it just, it does keep us, it sustains us to that next meal. So then when we sit down mm-hmm. in person, we we can mm-hmm. say like, I've been praying for you. Um, tell me more about what happened on Tuesday that sent you into that panic attack or something. And I, I would just want to be like, kind of give people permission to say those those text chains where you're sharing updates and prayer requests, and if you're not, start doing it. And lean into mm-hmm. it because they can help you actually start to cultivate what needs to be cultivated in the meantime. So don't feel bad. Feel good mm-hmm. about that. Just don't let it overshadow embodied relationships.
2: I love that. I have a group that I, uh, we call it's our confessional community and we meet, one, so it's a little bit different than what we're talking about, but I would call these covenant friends for sure. We meet once a month on Zoom for three mm-hmm. hours. Yep. Yep. We live all over the country. Uh, we meet once a year in person for a couple of days. I love that. And um, our text, What the reason I'm saying this is because of our text thread. It yes. is full of this exact thing. I mean, my phone was blowing up this morning with someone talking about something they're going through in mm-hmm. that community. Yes. And it just allows us to stay connected in between those. And, and we don't have the physical touch points. Right. And I have that here. I'm just talking about how I use the text message for that. Um, Justin, I... Love this book so much. Um, I feel like people are going to read this book or people who are going, okay, I have some friends. I think I want more out of it. Mm-hmm. Or even some people who are in my stage, as I already said, of going, I've lost that connection with people. Because, mm. And I love how you said in college we're kind of geared towards that. And it's true. Like It kind of yeah. pushes us into these dorm life and apartment life and all these things. Yeah. And then when you get out, it's like, hey, spread out and you know, do your own thing right, forever. Right, right. Um and so this why we drift into loneliness and how to fight for a life of friendship is so good. Justin, thanks for your work. I'm really I'm really proud of you. Um, oh
1: good
2: <laughs> stuff. You. Yeah. Great. It means stuff. more than um, you might and, know. <laughs> and I always love having you on the show. So it's really great. Okay. I want to know two things from you. This is a random. I didn't even tell you this. Let's are you go. a are you a music guy? Like, Do you love music and live music?
0: I, I, yes, I am. I am actually a musician myself. I was pretty good at drums in college, in a lot of bands. And um, I still play drums and guitar. Um, so there's a lot of music in our house. Yeah.
2: I did not know that. Okay. So I just wanted yeah. to tell you that when this show comes out, um, the week before, I will have seen John Mayer. Have you ever John, seen John Mayer live?
0: Not live. No. But talk about an accomplished okay, me musician. Neither.
2: I'm super excited about that. Um, And then the weekend after this comes out is ACL. And um, ACL, uh, you know what that is? Austin City Limits, the music festival here in Austin? Yes. I just need to say that this is something that I do for my husband and with him because music festivals are not my favorite thing in the world. Um, Really? But... I know I would rather Why go to like a Texas. <laughs> it's just hot and crowded, but I love a Texas football game where it's really hot and crowded, okay, that's you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it'll be great. But I was going to tell you, um, I was wanted to know out of these people, who would you want to see? This is totally random, okay? Oh, good. Uh, okay. We've got uh, <laughs> Shania Twain, which I'm super excited They're about. Nobody in my list. family is. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, <laughs> Foo Fighters. Very high on my
0: list. Oh, gosh. okay, great.
2: Foo Fighters, Mumford & Sons. Wait, is this the lineup for this year? It says it on the internet.
0: I believe it. I mean, that's an incredible lineup, but wow.
2: This is too many, like, good... Okay, the 1975, are you familiar with them?
0: Actually, no. I was familiar with everybody else.
2: They're the rage right now. I'm not familiar with them either. I'm not familiar with hardly any of these people. Um, Alanis Morissette, this cannot be right. Alanis (laughs) Morissette?
0: Well... I, I just
2: think I'm looking at like these people have been there before. No, I, I think it's right. No, it is right. I'm so excited now. Atlanta right. said I'll be excited about. Foo Fighters, Shania Twain, the 1975. Wow. These are the headliners. Another headliner, Kendrick Lamar, The Lumineers, Kali Uchis. I don't know who that is. Maggie Rogers. I don't know who that is either.
0: Maggie Rogers. This. Maggie oh, Rogers. you love Maggie awesome. Rogers? You will love her. She's one of my favorites. Yes.
2: Really? Okay, yes. so I'm excited.
0: Go go online right now and watch Pharrell, um, you know, the artist Pharrell, uh-huh. listen to Maggie Rogers' uh, college music project. It was called Alaska. Okay. It became her first hit song. He okay. listens to it. She's in the classroom and he's. you can see his face being like, oh my gosh, this girl's incredible. And I think that moment might have launched her career. She's, she's um, incredible. But, I'm going to say, Jamie, Kendrick Lamar would actually be the most exciting person for me on that list. Okay. I get really into his earlier albums. I'm incredibly intrigued by the idea that he won a um, Pulitzer, I believe, for, for his album Damn. Um, wow. He is gritty, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. He's like into the real-life details of the life he grew up in. However... Yeah he there's like a serious poetry and a commentary on life in his that I think some people can miss and he just sounds awesome so I'd actually go to Kendrick Lamar but <laughs> close okay. on the, M- well, Mumford and Sons I, you know I love their sound too but at Kendrick yeah, Lamar is yeah. deep, deep waters
2: here's what I'm going to try to do because I went last year to ACL with my family and again I'd rather be at a football game but the thing that I hated was my family was into all these artists and I didn't know any of them. So I I haven't even told them this. This is going to be a little secret for them that happens is I'm committing for the next couple of months to learn these people and listen to their music so that when I show up,
0: oh, I actually best. have
2: some kind of idea of what's happening. Isn't that great?
0: That's the best. Go, go look at their recent set lists and listen through them. Then you know what's coming. Yeah. That's I'm doing it for idea. Aaron
2: Ivy. That's what I'm doing because last year I made him sit through an entire George Strait. George Strait was there last year. I well, loved it, but my husband awesome. was like, "What are we doing? He's so awesome." But it's not my oh, husband's on. style.
0: All these people are classic. See, I'm you I'm can a very like it. I'm a broad broad taste yeah. musician. Should yeah. I go for it. Kendrick Lamar. Yep. Mumford and Sons. I'm I know. here for it.
2: <laughs> okay. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Thanks for talking to me about music for a second. That's my goal for the next couple of months is to listen to that. But I would love to close by asking you, what are you reading these days?
0: Um, what am I reading these days? Let me think of a, my favorite answer to that. I am reading a lot. Of, I'm starting to read a lot about the body and spirituality. I've been really okay. interested on um, how our physicality whether it's mental health, um, neuroscience, or just exercise, relates to how we perceive our spirituality. So I know that's a kind of abstract, mm. but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm into it. Uh, the most recent one is this book called David Taylor, A Body of Praise.
2: I was about to ask you if you read that.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm just into it. I've just started it. Um, it's
2: good. I recommend an, it.
0: Another one, this, this one just came out. Curtis Chang's um, Anxiety Opportunity came out a couple months ago. So- I, yeah, there's there's a lot here. This would be a whole other conversation, but I I'm love get, that. I'm getting into thinking about how our physical bodies are way more spiritual than we think.
2: David Taylor has been on the show twice now, and he talked about a body of praise on the show, and it's a really really good interview. Um, and that show was really um, it made a lasting effect on me when he was here in studio recording that. But that book is really good as well. So I, oh, I need to go one.
0: back and listen to that one. Then that's great.
2: It's a good one. It's a yeah. good one. Uh, we talked about crossing ourselves. Um, I know we had a whole conversation about it. It was really, really great. Um, Anyhow, Justin, thanks for coming on the happy hour.
0: Thanks, Jamie. This has been awesome as always. I hope I get to come back.
2: (laughs) I know. Well, Well, keep writing books and you're always welcome. That's for sure. I love having conversations with you and you're putting out great stuff. So thanks for coming on.
0: I'll keep it up.
2: The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivy, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Catley.
0: Suffering from aches and pains? The all-new Tempur-Pedic Adapt mattress eases your pressure points all night, every night. Now, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets at TempurPedic.com. Select adjustable mattress sets only. Lesser savings may apply.
1: Hey, parents.